A reading from the book of Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among the scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the water courses and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and they shall feed on rich pastures in the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Therefore, says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide. I will save my flock and they shall no longer be ravaged. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. The word of the Lord. Psalm 100 on page 729. Her book. 729. Be joyful in the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with a song. Know this, the Lord himself is God. He himself has made us, and we are The second reading is from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you, as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us to believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The word of the Lord. When the Son of Man comes in, his glory and all the angels with him, when then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd. Separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep at his right hand and goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you the fountain of world for I was hungry and you gave me food I I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink I was a, a stranger and you welcomed me I was naked and you gave me clothing clothing I was sick and you took care of me I was a prison I was in prison and you visited me. I was why righteous will answer Lord when it, when was it that I we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink and when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing. And when was it that you, we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king, and the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it, one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at the left hand, You are accord, de- accursed, depart, uh, 
Depart from me. Depart from me in the eternal fire. Eternal fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not give me clothes. And I was sick and prison and you did not visit me. They also were, were they also were the Lord when it was that we saw you hungry, thirsty, a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not take care of you, then he will and swear them. Truly I tell you, just as you do not do it one of those least of these, you do not do it to me. And these will go away to inherit eternal punishment. The righteous into eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Previously on Guardian Angel, we talked about the conquest narratives of Joshua and Judges and the vision of a kingdom that they lay out, building a holy nation through the uh, destruction of people who are considered unclean or impure, and how that's impossible. It's not what God wants. It's not how we are made. There are no pure and impure people. There are only people. And so it raises the question as we're here on Christ the King Sunday, if we're going to build the kingdom and we're not going to do it with violence, then what? Our colleague today talked about bringing the peoples of the earth together under Christ's most gracious rule. And usually, like the ancient Hebrews, we would think that means conquest. It means using the power of the sword to dominate and control. But it doesn't work. At no point in ancient Israel's history does violence actually create any kind of lasting, peaceful rule. The constant throughout the entirety of the Hebrew scriptures is that violence always leads to more violence. And so today we read from the prophet Ezekiel who it appears at a different time in Israel's history, after they've become a monarchy, and they've gone through multiple highs and lows as an empire. And during his time, they would be reminded once more that the violence of empire does not make you safe. 
it makes you a target for other empires. Their trust in their military might is not enough to stop the Babylonians from coming, conquering Israel, sacking the city of Jerusalem, and taking many of the people captive. And so Ezekiel speaks to the people of Israel, and they're words of comfort, but they're not a promise that they're going to return to being a militarily powerful country with a grand army that's going to fight back and defeat the Babylonians. The rule that God promises through Ezekiel is not the kingdom of a conquering soldier. It is the leadership of a good shepherd. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. The shepherd is not there to do harm to the sheep. The shepherd is there to rescue them from danger, to lead them to places where they can be fed, to seek the lost, to bring back those who have strayed, to bind up the injured, to strengthen the weak, and to protect those who cannot protect themselves. This kingdom under the shepherd does not look like a fearsome army advancing into the land. It looks like sleeping peacefully in a safe place, being watched over by someone who cares. God's servant, God's king, will feed God's sheep. And that's the imagery that Jesus brings up over and over again throughout the Gospels, that he comes as a shepherd ready to lead the sheep into green pastures. He's not a holy warrior sent to take out the Romans and restore Israel to its glory. He's there to feed the hungry, heal the sick, comfort the hurting. Jesus is there to feed the people. And as he makes it clear through his ministry, that includes all of the people. Jesus is there to feed the Israelites. Jesus is also there to feed the Gentiles and the Canaanites. Jesus is even there to feed the Romans. And so when he's talking about his return in our gospel reading today from Matthew 25, when Jesus is sitting on his throne of glory, enthroned as the king, there's no mention of going to war or doing battle. As Jesus talks about the final judgment, he makes it clear we're not going to be asked how many of Jesus' supposed enemies did we kill. We're not going to be asked how patriotic we were. There's no special honors for people who joined the fight to overthrow the Romans. But we will be asked, what did we do for the hungry? What did we do for the thirsty? Did we offer welcome to the stranger, clothing to the unclothed, health care to the sick, comfort to the imprisoned? And as Jesus is there on that throne, it doesn't go well for the people who don't have a good answer to these questions. Jesus, as the shepherd, separates those who are sheep 
from those who are goats on the basis of how we treat the other sheep, and particularly how we treat those who could be considered the least of us. And that makes sense once you accept the alternative vision that Ezekiel and Jesus are giving us for what the kingdom of God looks like. It's not a pure nation made up of some group of people that are somehow better than all the others. It's a welcoming and lush pasture. It's a place where there is plenty of food and drink for all with green grass and clear water. A place where there is health and safety for every single one of God's sheep. And so building the kingdom of God means believing in that vision, inviting other sheep to live into that reality, and doing what we can to take care of our fellow sheep. The kingdom of God looks a lot like our Thanksgiving feast this past Thursday. Everyone serving one another, abundant food and good conversation, the doors open to anyone who wants to come in. And that kind of vision directly contradicts the kingdom that the conquest narrative spoke about. We can choose to kill our enemies. We can choose to feed our enemies. We cannot choose to do both. Because if everyone is invited to the table, that means we're killing people who are actually on the guest list for dinner. And the truth is, really, if we start sharing the table, we're not enemies anymore. As we break bread with each other, we recognize in that shared human need for food that we are the same. We share the stories that make us who we are we become part of a family that takes care of one another as we come together at that dinner feast. And the conflict between those visions makes this hard. The fact that we have to choose makes this difficult because it's not as easy as saying, no more war, let's have dinner instead. I really wish it were because that that sounds good to me, right? Like, that is what we're working towards. Like, that's... And the thing is, though, when we're working towards that, the people who say that usually end up targeted by both sides. When we say, no more war, let's have dinner instead, we are investing in one vision of what the kingdom looks like that is in conflict with another vision that a lot of people are also heavily invested in. That's, a lot of us do believe, and a lot of us have been brought into this myth that violence keeps us safe. And that there are bad guys out there that we need weapons to fight. It's something that has become such a part of who we are, we see it not just in the ancient Israelites, but we see it in the U.S. We see this constant myth repeating itself that actually, yes, if we do kill enough of our enemies, then we will be safe. There's 
a lot of complexity to what's happening right now in the Holy Land. But one of the main reasons the U.S. government supports the particular approach that the state of Israel has taken is because the foreign aid that we give them is actually payments to U.S.-based arms dealers. The money that we give in foreign aid is not actually going to the state of Israel. It is going to defense contractors here in the U.S. They are the ones who are making the money off of this conflict. They are literally invested in the vision that safety comes through weapons. Safety comes through advanced aircraft and specialized missiles and higher technology weapons that we just haven't gotten good enough at killing the bad guys yet. Keep giving us money and eventually we'll get there. That is the vision that we are contradicting when we say, don't blow them up, invite them to dinner. And that's going to be difficult because there is opposition at every step of that process. I'm glad that I'm here at Guardian Angel because I'd probably get in trouble for saying what I just said in a lot of other places. But here's the thing about building the kingdom of God this way doing it through dinner. It is not doomed from the start. It's not destined to fail like every other empire-building project ever. There is a reason why empires have risen and fallen throughout the two millennia since Jesus lived among us, but Christian communities have continued to persist. It's because this vision, this alternative kingdom, works you can, in fact, love your enemies no matter what. You can always choose to resist violence and to welcome the stranger and to love those who are in need. And in every generation, there are people who make that choice and live it out. And when they do, that is where the kingdom of God is present. Sometimes that's even done by the church. And that's the invitation for us. Are we going to choose to be a part of that kingdom wherever it shows up? Because if we make that commitment and we choose to do that no matter what, then we get to experience what Christ promises to the sheep in our gospel reading today. Come, you who will receive good things from my Father, Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. That is the kingdom we're looking for. And that's the kingdom that we celebrate as we come now to the table, where we're all invited to rest and to be fed in the pasture that God, our good shepherd and king, has prepared for us. Amen.